Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to my Friday Five podcast and this week I am really so delighted to be welcoming a woman onto the show here who's become one of our leading menopause warriors, Kate Muir. She started life as a campaigning journalist covering so many issues from war zones to public health. She was a features writer for The Times in New York, Paris and Washington, as well as becoming the chief film critic for the newspaper. Well, more recently, she turned her activist eye to the subject of the menopause, being the co-creator of the revolutionary Channel 4 menopause documentary, Sex, Myths and Menopause, hosted, of course, last year by Davina McCall, and now she is publishing a blistering attack on the sloppy science and hysterical headlines, her words, with her own completely brilliant book, Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause, But Were Too Afraid to Ask, which is published this week. She says that she wants to name, shame, blame and reframe the menopause with her book, and it's certainly an eye-opener that genuinely helps to move the conversation on. And I'm sure that many of you listening will identify with much of what Kate has to say. So I'm delighted that she joins me here now as we indulge in a bit of menopause myth-busting. So Kate, a really warm welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And I think, you know, from what I was saying, my audience here especially are pretty well versed in most things menopause, but we're going to have a discussion, I think, that will take it on to the next level. So welcome to my Friday Five podcast. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be on the show and be with you because you've campaigned so hard on the menopause and HRT front. So I'm glad we're all in this together. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it feels like a sisterhood, I have to say. It, it, you know, it was quite lonely at the beginning, <laughs> but now it's it's just so normalised. And, you know, I, I've said this before, and I think, you know, Davina probably says the same, that when we first kind of came across menopause, nobody really wanted to talk about it, especially not people working in telly, in the public eye, because it was just so negative. Everyone just thought you were kind of old and decrepit, and it has been. And now I think we've smashed that, haven't we, really quite early on? We've smashed it. We've had a great deal of fun smashing it too, I'd like to say. I was at the uh, HRT demonstration in Parliament Square last year, 
And it was just extraordinary to meet all those women who had campaigned together for two years over Zoom. And there they were from all ends of the menopause spectrum. And it, and it was absolutely fantastic. And such a positive message we're putting out because you can improve your health and here's how to do it. Yeah, you're so right, actually. There is no bad news here. The bad news is only if you can't get hold of the right treatment for you or the right bit of education. But let's go back and just cover off your background. You, you've you come from a journalistic background, which I think is, is really interesting in this discussion because it's different to so many other campaigners. Tell us how you got here. Um, well, I'm really surprised I've got here at all, actually. But as a journalist, um, I did things like writing a book about um, women in the army, whether they should go into combat. You know, I went out to the first Gulf War. I covered America. I covered France. And so I come kind of on a war footing to this and an investigator footing. And um, every day I have learned something new in the last two and a half years studying menopause. And every day I've got angry at some point in the day at the lack of understanding out there and the medical sexism. So I was a journalist at the Times. Um, I was the film critic. Uh, I left in 2017. I crashed into a terrible menopause, a proper Thelma and Louise off the cliff job. Um, and I ended up getting all the wrong HRT privately, ended up having uh, you know, biopsies, Everything could, that went wrong could have gone wrong in my bottom half. And then I went to, of course, Dr. Louise Newson, who prescribed me the right HRT. And while I was in her surgery, I turned from a patient to an investigative journalist in five minutes because she told me a story which changed my life, which is one of her patients uh, for seven years did not leave her house. Um, and she was diagnosed with uh, depression. She got different kinds of uh, antidepressants and then suddenly uh, she was given electric shock treatment, so electroconvulsive therapy, 12 sessions. She was left in a complete state just sitting in a chair and at one point she felt so depressed she was going to give up and then she thought I will research this and she started researching hormonal depression and she found out that you know menopause and perimenopause, which is what she was in, could cause incredible mental you know imbalance um and she uh got an eight uh, uh, an rv um and went to louise newson's um surgery because she couldn't leave home she couldn't go outside she completely agoraphobic so she actually took her own caravan there went oh in oh my goodness that's extraordinary went in got hrt seven days later walked her dog outside for the first time and she's in my book and the story made me cry when I interviewed the woman who is not given her name because she's quite scarred by it but she's agreed for the story to be public and I thought if that can never happen to anyone again then it will be worth doing this and of course there are hundreds and thousands and thousands of women like that and and you know the the, the mental effects of the menopause were just I just didn't know anything about them it is so shocking and they're really, you know, when I talk to people like you, I kind of think, come on guys, this is a class action. You know, this is why is there has been there been such a travesty in healthcare. And every time I read of particularly a high profile woman in her early fifties who takes her own life, 
I just think, what is the story behind that? You know, what was she being helped? It's classic, isn't it? The average age of menopause is 51. The highest rate of suicide in women is 51. And I was actually just listening to, um, uh, I think it was an Instagram live that Nadia from, from Loose Women put out last year, saying that she lost a good seven to eight years of her life through anxiety and low mood depression and all sorts of other physiological changes and she just she just believed that hrt was was you know the devil in disguise and was going to give her breast cancer and was going to be harmful and she actually also went to see dr louise newson but i mean there are obviously lots of other doctors available and hopefully now many more nhs doctors too and it changed her life and and i think she is also very angry as as am I to a lesser extent, because I didn't suffer so badly, but I clearly lost years in my 40s through ill health, through lack of sleep, through extreme headaches, joint ache, tinnitus, hearing problems, which I'd never connected to losing my oestrogen. So there is definitely a major health story stroke scandal to be uncovered here, isn't there? I think it is massive. I think it is a huge kind of third wave of medical feminism and i'm one of the reasons i'm really really obsessed with this story is because of alzheimer's and the effect of estrogen on the brain which i've been studying for a whole chapter in my book and there is this marvelous woman who i think a lot of people know of called lisa mosconi who's written the xx brain and she's at wild cornell in new york but her latest studies and brain scans are absolutely fascinating, which show us that your brain changes as much in menopause as it does in pregnancy. It actually alters shape and form. And we really, really need to know that. And we all need to understand that and compensate for it or get HRT, which will help keep our estrogen levels up in our brain. But when you look at her scans of women, and there's about, she's got about hundreds at the moment, of premenopausal perimenopausal and the postmenopausal brain, uh, you can already see the changes happening in the perimenopausal brain. And at that point, that's where all hell break, breaks loose. And we kind of know that, don't we? Because we I always call perimenopause menopause's dastardly little sister. And it is <laughs> and for me, you know, I just threw every you know, I made a complete mess of my life during perimenopause. So I've learned from that. But anyway, these brain scans show uh, that when the estrogen goes, the brain is basically panicking, going, what am I going to do? My fuel has gone. And grey matter goes down, white matter goes down, the amount of glucose used in the brain goes down. And then during, after menopause, some of the grey matter starts to come back and it starts to rise again. And what we also do is more blood is pumping to the brain. So we work our brains harder and we get our grey matter back, we don't get all our white matter back, so our connections change. And some people who are perhaps, you know, at risk of Alzheimer's, like myself, because my mother died of Alzheimer's, um, you know, you look at that and you think, well, how can I look after my brain at that point? Because amyloid plaques build up after menopause, and the amyloid plaques are a sign that you might get Alzheimer's and a sign that things are going wrong. So I'm thinking, what about brain health? What about the one in five women who get Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's is the biggest killer in Britain. It's not that the estrogen in HRT is going to cure Alzheimer's, but it's 
going to prevent you having a brain that is ready to get Alzheimer's if you can keep your brain in the best health possible, just like your body. Um, it's really, really important. And I mean, I feel we're only at the basic beginning of learning the science on this. And, you know, I was talking on a Zoom to Lisa Moscone yesterday in New York, and I said, so where are the studies? And she said, where are the studies? And there's one study being done on HRT and brain health, a proper, you know, randomized control trial. But otherwise, the studies are all observational. But what do you do if you're someone like me and, you know, the one in five women likely to get Alzheimer's, you think, well, it might be a very good idea to take HRT, you know, if that's my risk level. And my risk level is enormously high for getting Alzheimer's and enormously low for getting breast cancer. So I should have that choice and I should be able to go into my doctor and, you know, she or he should have that knowledge too. Completely. And that, you know, that is totally about choice. It is our bodies, our choice. I don't know quite why that's been lost. The messaging has been lost and this whole idea of informed consent and what we should actually be allowed to sign up to. I think we have to remember that our healthcare is there as a service and that our medics are essentially service providers paid for by ourselves, British taxpayers, to provide the service that we require. And, and we are allowed to choose or should be allowed to choose how we decide to treat having done the knowledge and, and knowing how our bodies are more than anybody else, because we've lived in them all our lives. Um, and that, you know, that goes right across the board. And, you know, I'm always really shocked, Kate, and I'm sure you, you have been too, by how little joined up thinking there is. It seems that medicine operates in silos. So I was at a dinner recently with psychiatrists and you know, if, if a midlife woman goes to a, a see some psychiatric help, you know, the chances are she'll get SSRIs, she'll be put on antidepressants, whatever. I said, well, you know, do you ever treat with estrogen? And they sort of looked at me. This is a senior professor. I sat next to. Him. He said, well, why? Why would I treat with estrogen? I said, well, because surely the estrogen receptors that are being lost in the brain are causing anxiety and low mood and depression in perimenopausal and menopausal women. And he, and he sort of looked at me blankly and said, well, we, you know, we don't learn about hormones. Mm. I said, yes, but you are a brain expert. You know, women are being referred to you. And essentially, in many cases, I would, you know, put money on it, being given the wrong treatment because antidepressants are for clinical depression. They're not for loss of estrogen, are they? And I also think you know the difference between the kind of depression. If you've never been depressed before in your life and you're behaving very oddly and you're very anxious and you're suddenly having panic attacks and depression in your late 40s, you haven't turned into someone else and you haven't changed your life that much. So something else has changed and I, I think that's very important but one of the things I'm trying to do because um, I've written this book and you know once you've written a book you actually know the book you really want to write afterwards because you know <laughs> so, so much <laughs> and I really I'm now going to write a book on mental health change rebooting and the menopause and that midlife brain change and I have uh, met a, a wonderful psychotherapist called Holly Rubin at the SOAK, which is a new, quite radical um, psychotherapy therapy centre in London. And we are doing a talk together about the menopause and mental health, you know, from the brain point of view, from the body point of view, from the political point of view. And I think if we can start joining up with other professionals on the other side of this story we can learn so much because she was just saying i've been treating all these women i haven't been thinking about 
what are their hormones doing? I've just been thinking about what are their husbands doing? You know, (laughs) it's really important. And for relationships, I, I really think so many women and would not be you know, getting divorced. Not that there's anything wrong oh, with getting I, divorced, I, but it's sixty two percent. I agree. You know, yeah. I mean, as as a divorcee myself, and and yeah. I see so many of my friends, midlife friends, you know, relationships and marriages in trouble. I'm not saying it's all to do with hormones, but they do play a part when your personality changes, and obviously when sex drive changes and it becomes painful to have sex and you just get that awful flatness I remember I think it was Dr Rebecca Lewis actually who I was talking to about this and she has a particular interest in in mental health in midlife and she was saying that women who lose estrogen from their brains suffer a lack of joy a loss of joy there's this they describe it as just feeling flat that's right as if nothing really matters Yeah. yeah and and can you imagine just having that that flatness in your life. Nothing makes you smile. Nothing brings you joy or laughter. And, you know, you're, you're, we're meant to have a range of emotions. You know, we are meant to go kind of up and down and, and laugh and cry and, and enjoy life and experience it. But of course, it's not just, you know, mental health or, um, you know, talking about to professions like the, the psychiatrists, it's rheumatologists. I've got many friends who've been referred for all sorts of things, bone scans and, you know, pre-osteoporosis checks and all of that. And on some of them, on some really quite aggressive and expensive uh, anti-arthritis drugs who've been transformed just by topping up the estrogen receptors in their bones through through having a bit of replacement hormones. I mean, it, it just seems that we need to get into this kind of mindset of integrated medicine, don't we, that looks at the whole body. Perhaps it's, you know, is that too much to ask, yeah. do you think? And that, you know, that, Estrogen is such a miracle, particularly coupled with testosterone, which I know you've discussed regularly. But that in terms of muscle and strength, when you've got those two hormones back, you feel so much better. And I'm a runner and I was running 10Ks just before I went on HRT because I was quite depressed and anxious. And I was really trying to kind of run it off, you know, run off that really itchy, panicky, desperate feeling. Um, and again, about 10 days after taking the HRT, I thought, oh, I'm bionic. All my joints work. <laughs> da, 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 da. You know, it's and, a wonderful and, feeling, and, isn't and, it? When, and, when, when you get your health back. Yeah. <laughs> and that you're rubbery. How nice is it to yes. be rubbery? You know, oh, yeah. thank God. You know, and yeah, if you fall over, you, you yeah. might bounce and not break. Yeah. And, it, and it's just such a, it is such a relief. Um, But I also wanted to talk to you, Liz, because you are, you know, you're brilliant on kind of plant based things. You're brilliant on diets and you're always discussing that. And and I know that, you know, the people who listen to your podcast know all about the difference between good HRT and the bad old fashioned combined HRT made for the horse urine. But I think one of the things we really need to talk about publicly to all our friends is that what we are dealing with, that we, you know, the estrogen I get from my GP and the progesterone, you know, is plant based, is body yes. identical, is really well, good you know, it, it is so yeah. important. And and that if when you think about the effect that you know vegetables have on the brain, you look at a brain scan of someone who eats McDonald's for ten years, and you look at the brain scan of someone who eats vegetables for ten years, particularly at this kind of stage in our lives, and you know, fish oil. And you look at those two brains and one of the brains is showing up kind of black holes where there's nothing happening. 
and the other brain is firing on all cylinders. And you think about what we are putting into our body and our philosophy at the moment, everybody talking about being vegan and everybody talking about plant-based. And you think, why are we not looking at our HRT through these glasses too? Yeah, to see it. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I'm definitely, I'm not vegan and I'm, I'm a big advocate of eating meat and, and mm. high quality protein, especially in, in midlife. But you're absolutely right. And I think we have to remember, first of all, my take on it is that we're not talking about a medication. This is not a drug. This is simply a natural hormone that we used to have that we're just replacing with the, the exact body identical natural hormone. But it's made from a plant, so it's made from wild yams. So the utrogestan progesterone that you're taking, that I'm taking, the body identical estrogen, whether that's from a gel or a patch or a spray, anything transdermal, you know, through the skin is coming from those wild yams. And molecularly, if you looked at, you know, under a microscope or mm. analysed it, it would be exactly the same. The body knows no difference from the, the stuff that we used to make when we were younger and the stuff that we apply that comes from wild yams. Maybe if it had a, a, a fancier name and and came in, um, you know, some sort of packaging with, you know, vegan friendly <laughs> written all over it, maybe, you know, pure plant-based power for replenishing, you know, I mean, maybe, I think it was might have been Dr. Louise actually said to me that, you know, HRT does need rebranding because it's had all these dreadful, mm. flawed studies published which were just so wrong. And I did a podcast with, did two actually, with Professor uh, Michael Baum, who was the lead oncologist, breast cancer surgeon at the Royal Marsden for years and, and did all the original trials on tamoxifen mm. and knows so much about breast cancer and, and breast cancer risk and treatments. And he said, you know, in the old days, they used to treat breast cancer with estrogen. Yeah. And I said, well, why, why did it fall out of favour? You know, why was there suddenly this crazy, you know, swing against it? And he just looked at me and he said, Liz, you tell me, yeah. you know, we know that the Women's Health Initiative studies were flawed, but, you know, quite why that should be so polarizing. Yeah. And but as a journalist, I think there are, two, there are two things here. One is that, you know, women staying young and women of a certain age filling themselves up with strange hormones. There's a real negative sexism in the press about that and the punishment of breast cancer if you take these fun drugs, you know, there is a very old fashioned sort of stream of consciousness and even a kind of self guilt among women still running quietly underneath that, that perhaps made those headlines. Isn't that so shocking? I think you're absolutely right that, you know, we're not allowed to enjoy ourselves. Yeah. And you know, if, 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 if this was all about Viagra, which you can just go and get over the counter, for example, you know, it's women. And I love how you start your book exactly, you know, saying that with you know, a guy going into the surgery and saying, you know, my, my penis is getting all dry and wrinkly. It's agony having sex. But what's the point anyway? I don't know why I bother going to bed. I can't sleep more than an hour with these night sweats. And at work, I get so many hot flushes. I have to sneak into the gents to change my shirts. And I have armpits like puddles. Have I mentioned the awful anxiety, the racing pulse? I think I'm having a heart attack. Too scared to drive on motorways. I lost the car in Sainsbury's car park. I'm feeling more and more worthless and depressed. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and... You know, you say if a guy went and said that to their GP, would they just be dismissed as men's trouble and told to go away and have a hot milky drink, which is what we've heard many women say when talking all of those things through with their doctor. You know, that there is this awful, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't classify myself as a feminist or even a kind of an activist, but I read um, Unwell Women. Have you read that I'm book? I'm just reading it, actually. I just dropped it in the oh. bath last night. 
it's an awful read I mean it's awful in that in that sense of the word I mean it's shockingly dreadful to read you can't kind of read more than a few pages at a time because it's such a travesty of of healthcare mm. of what has happened through to women over hundreds of years through all the lobotomies and all the disgusting practices that that happened you know genital mutilation happening here in the UK during Victorian times I mean just dreadful and I do you think we've inherited that legacy of of undervaluing female healthcare in our in our current day absolutely cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think it is absolutely shocking what has happened around menopause. And not just on the HRT front, but on the other understanding of menopause for those who can't use HRT, like the one in seven women who get breast cancer. And there are some brilliant solutions for them, too, and lots of ways of helping them. But they are just left high and dry all the time. And I think we really, really need to fight this. And I know you say you're not a feminist and not a campaigner and not an activist. You are, actually. You really are. <laughs> and you're doing very good work here. And we're all doing very, very good work uh, together. And I think of all the movements I've seen, this is really incredibly cohesive and very strong. Because everybody can come at it from a different direction and come together. But I, I do think that we are tackling a huge wall of medical sexism and a massive wall of ignorance. And we really, really need to be very, very loud about it. And I think Carolyn Harris, the MP who put through the HRT bill, um, she is amazing and she's a great kind of leader of the movement. But I, I really think we need to talk about it. And one of the things we super need to talk about in the HRT arena is that every study that almost gets cited on HRT 
is on the old kind of HRT and that there has not been a proper study of the new plant-based HRT, except on teachers in France. There's been three studies in France that are quite good that show breast cancer rates zero over five years on the newer kind of transdermal plant-based HRT, and maybe breast cancer rates incredibly low, if not zero in 10 years. So basically, there's incredibly good news from France, but it's not big enough, and obviously it's French, and that seems to be a problem. And you're watching an entire medical industry talk about an old drug. And it's like talking about aspirin when you're giving someone Nurofen. They have different effects. There's different risks. And it is bonkers. And the fact that no one at the top of the British Menopause Society or anywhere is sitting down and going, why are we sitting with all this old information and giving out old drugs that we know are not good when we could give out better ones? And the- I, I, I don't really understand the British Menopause Society because so much of the information oh. is, you know, based on on the older forms of HRT and, you know, as sort of alleged experts, you would have thought that that would have been radically updated. But, you know, what I love about your book, and I, I'm going to give it a, a huge unashamed plug now, is that it is different. You talk about women from different sectors coming together. And, you know, when I wrote my book, what is it now, six years ago, you know, it was quite a barren landscape. And then we had some really interesting books coming out from celebrities, from people with public profiles, you know, putting it out there, which was great to really kind of sort of normalise and shine a light on it. And lots of great medical books, lots of books written by doctors, um, but I think what where your your real strength is here is you have filled an incredible gap in terms of that campaigning, journalistic sniffing out the story. You know, t- you talk about the sloppy science and the hysterical headlines that we've suffered. And as somebody who's worked for national newspapers, you know, you are well versed in how newspapers run stories and and how they get their clickbait and their column inches and what makes a headline. And, you know, you've really gone for it with that forensic investigative eye, which is just so important. And and your stories are so real and so valid. And, you know, you frame it in such a way, I think, that, you know, you are filling such a great gap. So hats off to you, sister. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I also love the book and what, what you've done, which I do in my books as well, is you've fully referenced it at the back. So you've put all the all the medical references. My publishers weren't too keen on that. They thought it was taking up a lot of wasted pages, but I wanted them to go in, as I imagine you did yeah. too. I had all the doctors who were in it read back their chapter. So like Michael Bowman, the cancer chapter. And indeed, you you read your, your bit that you're in. And, and actually, that was great because often they added a, an even more radical line <laughs> to what we were doing. But it was so important to get this medically right because I am not medically qualified, but I worked with you know, some of the best menopause specialists in the world. And it was, you know, a real privilege. And also they were all trapped in lockdown with nothing to do. So I got these Zooms <laughs> with all these people at Yale that I'm sure <laughs> I wouldn't Perfect have got. timing. <laughs> now I want to move on actually and talk about your next project, which is the documentaries that you've been making with Davina McCall and the phenomenal success that you had last year with 
the menopause documentary. Did that come out on International Women's Day? I think. Uh, I can't remember. No, I, I think around it came out in May. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Was it in, in May time? So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember it being out in the spring, and causing such a stir. I mean, it was sort of long anticipated and awaited by those behind the scenes who knew that it was coming. How did that happen? And and tell us a little bit about the background and how it went down. How easy was it to get commissioned? Absolute nightmare to get commissioned, and also because I'd never made a documentary before people are going who do you think you are why would you make a documentary with you and why would we make a documentary about the menopause all of which turned out to be completely wrong and so I took it to lots and lots of people and struggled and struggled and then I found because I'm a a Glaswegian I found a company in Scotland called Fine Stripe and it was largely staffed by uh, menopausal women on HRT and they took one look at my synopsis and we went we're doing this And we took it forward to Channel 4. And at that point, Dorothy Byrne was head of news and current affairs at Channel 4. She's now um, uh, running a college. Uh, But she is absolutely amazing. And she said, I'll do it. She said, we've got to do this. It will be the last thing I commission uh, before before she goes. So she she did it. And the great thing about it was we just didn't know what was going to happen or if anyone was going to watch it. And then on the first night, over a million watched it. But by the end of the week, over two million people had watched it on catch up. And we realized it was viral, you know, that people had told their friends and their aunties and their mums and it really needed to be out there. And so at that point, um, also, you know, we, as you know, because you're with the menopause charity, too, and a great campaigner for them. We launched that campaign uh, to give free education to doctors, the proper, you know, long uh, confidence in the menopause course. I think now 18,000 doctors have taken that up since the programme because it came out the day that, after. And that, that is the way forward, yeah. isn't it? It's through educating and it's educating, you know, from the grassroots up as well as from the top yeah. down and, and hopefully everybody meeting in the middle. Coming back to, to, to the making of the documentary, how did you connect with Davina? Did you approach her? Did she approach you? How did that happen? We had a, Actually, we had a different presenter and we got all shut down in lockdown and all the money taken back. So that was a disaster. And then as we re-emerged out of the first lockdown, I was talking to some friends and they said, oh, Davina would be great. We can put you in touch. And I rang Davina and she was driving an hour back home from London. And I talked to her in her car and we talked about our two menopause stories together kind of immediately and lots of them were very parallel and similar um you know and it was that that thing that magically happens when you talk to another woman in menopause and they go oh well I had that and I had that oh my god we both did that and uh we had that moment and and we just clicked and she is amazing and she has learned so much and dedicated time and is always on twitter at midnight helping people with their problems and she has it has been a kind of life-changing thing for her too that you feel this sort of impetus that you've got to keep doing it and because every day you know one person finds out something they didn't know and you find out something you didn't know and it changes the picture again and it changes one life um and she's become so aware of that and so the second documentary uh we are going to be talking a lot about menopause at work and that huge dropout of women losing confidence you know, anxiety, brain fog, and we're going to talk about the brain, and I think it's going to be called the menopause brain drain. Um, And we're also going to talk about menopausal women who are breast cancer survivors and what they can do, because that was a real kind of 
bit that was missing in the previous documentary and we just didn't have room you know we just didn't have room to get it all in and we're going to be talking about your favorite subject testosterone you're, you're oh, going to enjoy that excellent. i've got i've got a good one on that um and i've got i've got a menopausal comedian i hope i've got the menopausal stand-up comedian coming on so who knows quite what we'll have but um i'm researching it right now and uh, gathering Fantastic. And I know that you've been in touch with Kirsty Lang because she was in your book, wasn't yes, she? Yes, she, she, she's been brilliant because um, actually she's helped me the whole way along and told me to go to Dr. Louise Newsom way back. But her story of being a breast cancer survivor and then going back on HRT was a really, really powerful story, uh, which became sort of the key part of the breast cancer uh, chapter in my book yeah and she did a lovely podcast with you I love her podcast with you yeah well if, I mean interestingly I, I talked to her in the early days um, when I was talking to Professor Michael Baum actually about treatments for breast cancer and I think maybe I'd read an interview that she'd done on the in the Daily Mail or something about surviving breast cancer and she was passionate about getting into operative radiotherapy for, yeah. for breast cancer patients rather than turning up you know day after day week after week for this invasive radiotherapy that can damage your heart mm. particularly if it's over the left side and so she had intraoperative radiotherapy and she was campaigning for that so she was kind of on my radar and I just you know reached out to her out of the blue really and said would she come onto the podcast and talk about it and it turned out that she had very recently decided to go back onto HRT because her quality of life following her surgery and her lack of hormones was so devastating that she was probably going to have to stop working and you know she's very high profile BBC and this plays very much to your point, you know, talking with your documentary about women in the workplace. And so we did this podcast and she talked about the, the HRT that she was being given and the, the choices she decided to make. And funny enough, I was in text conversation with her recently and I just said, oh, by the way, you know, how are you doing? Because I often think we put that podcast out there now many years ago and, you know, it'd be devastating if she then, you know, had major health issues, uh, you know, following on. And I said, you know, how's it going? And she's replied here. She said, um, hi, Liz, I'm well, thanks. Still on HRT and now testosterone and feeling good on it. Breast cancer has not reappeared. It's now been five years. So my quote experiment seems to be working. So that is that is a good news. Can I tell you a lovely, perhaps end to all this, which is I had lunch yeah. with Kirsty and her mum on Monday, and her mum, oh, her mum is in my book. She's eighty five. She's on HRT, and Kirsty. So we sat and had lunch together, and her mum had been sent by her doctor, age eighty five, for a bone density scan because he felt that her bones wouldn't be, you know, any good, and he said, "I've never seen bones like these." <laughs> She says these are the best preserved bones of an 85-year-old we've ever seen. Yes, and she's been on HRT since she was on her 40s. She took a little break and then she went back on it. Um, Isn't that amazing? So, I just know, wish that you know, osteoporosis doctors would, mm. would talk more about that, to be honest. There's so much focus on biphosphonates and other forms yeah. of treatment. And it's that's that's a, yet another hill that that we need to climb and and plant flags on yeah. but i'm very interested in in your work on the workplace have you you know looked at studies showing just how many women are being lost in in throughout industries and all the all the professions nursing teaching the judiciary it's it's staggering isn't yeah. it business owners how many women give up in midlife due to losing hormones well we're doing a big survey i hope 
so I'll know the answer to that question uh, when the documentary comes out. Um, but I mean, quite clearly, uh, the number of people not going for promotion, the number of people going part time, the number of people leaving a big job and becoming a consultant, it's absolutely clear to me. And one of the main things I, I'm really interested in is what happens to key workers, the people we clapped during lockdown and those nurses and teachers, you know, the people who are on their feet 12 hours a day, they can't sit down and put a little desk fan on and have a little break if they've got a patient to look after. That's just not going to happen in A&E. So how do they cope? And they need the best medical advice and the best help with all their symptoms. And it's not just enough to have a workplace policy. You need to tackle what's going wrong in women's bodies, I think, and minds, and really, really help them at, at that base level. And I think a lot of people are jumping on the sort of workplace bandwagon and saying how marvellous they are and how wonderful it is to talk about it. But we don't just need talk. We absolutely need action, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, we totally need yeah. both. And it's all very well, you know, talking about it and having a policy, but it has to be implemented and it has to be implemented by healthcare providers mm. who are knowledgeable and have confidence in, in what they're prescribing. You mentioned testosterone. Is that going to feature oh, in the documentary? Oh yes, but I can't reveal in what way yet. But we, oh. we are doing some <laughs> quite exciting experiments that have never been done uh, with some great women who are are helping us with the the test so we'll, we'll see fantastic well I, I just love the way that Davina comes across because of course she's just got such a huge audience and, mm. and she's so well loved from all her different tv shows you know she's really I think bringing the menopause message to to a new audience that perhaps haven't heard it before um, yeah so it's uh, it's going to be extraordinary and when's your transmission date when can we put it in our diaries I think end of April beginning of May we don't know yet Okay, but you're obviously super busy yeah. promoting the book. Before you go, can I just ask you about your experience with these so-called bioidentical hormones? You mentioned that in the early stages of your own journey, you went for these bioidenticals, which if maybe people aren't aware of them, but there are unscrupulous, highly profiteering private clinics that offer these unregulated you know, supposedly completely natural, safe, bioidentical hormones. What was your experience with that? Um, well, I had real trouble getting any help from my GP twice and I had heart palpitations. So I ended up, all my friends told me the secret and told me to go to a private clinic in London where I was given lozenges, which you suck. And the lozenge contained estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. Great. Everything improved for a year. I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. Then I got a new batch of lozenges and I was sucking it and I was thinking, that tastes different. I wonder why that tastes different. And about two or three weeks later, I started to get lots and lots of bleeding. Um, and I realised there was something wrong. And I went back to the clinic. They charged me £600 for a scan. And they said, oh, your womb lining looks OK-ish. Um, here's a new prescription. Pay £100 for that. I did that. And then I went on bleeding and I got really worried. And I, so I stopped HRT and I went to the NHS and they said, oh, you can go on the, uh, the, the cancer test fast track, which is done within two weeks if you go in with uterine bleeding. Gosh, that's um, scary. So then I had a cervical biopsy, a uterine biopsy, a hysteroscopy, every, every, everything you, you could possibly have. Um, actually, I was fine. but um, And I showed them the lozenges I'd been taking. 
And they didn't say anything about them. And these are two very senior consultants at the London Hospital. They said, well, if those are all right, you should just keep taking them. I, I felt like as if I'd show them sweeties or something. I don't think they knew what they were. And they did have what the ingredients were on them. Anyway, you know, dreadful time after that. And then indeed, Kirsty Lang intervened in my life and said, go off and see Dr. Louise Newson. And then, of course, well, we realised I wasn't getting enough progesterone. And when I doubled the amount of progesterone I needed, it protected my womb lining. And I'm fine now. And I haven't, <laughs> you know, I haven't had bleeding. And so it was a mad thing to go through. And I think what was in those lozenges changed. And they are from unlicensed pharmacies. You just don't know what's been mixed up in each potion or how long it will last or what's in it or is it the right amount? Um, so I am very interested in investigating that and indeed hoping to get samples from women to investigate too because I'm really, really keen. But it's a, it's a big risk, big risk going to somewhere where they, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. No, I, and I know that the same goes for the creams that you rub on, like the progesterone cream, mm. which again, may there's no clinical studies to show the level of protection it offers against uterine cancer. And these things are extremely expensive. Mm. I had a friend who, again, she was you know, very well to do and she went to one of these private clinics in London. I think she ended up paying £1,400 mm. for her appointment and her bag. She, it came in a brown paper bag, unknown compounded hormones you know supposedly made specially for her in a lab but she didn't know what it was because there was you know no details on it and she started taking these things a week or so kind of went by she then flew to New York and started to bleed quite heavily called the clinic and they said well we can fit you in in 10 days time for a telephone appointment with the, the head practitioner that'll be another 100 pounds for the phone call I just, you you have just you know potentially seriously damaged my health. I have just paid you fourteen hundred pounds for this bag of whatever it is. I have no idea what's in it, mm. um, and you can't even you know pick up the phone and sort out my problem. And you know this is from a you know a registered doctor, somebody registered with the GMC. And I, I just think these private clinics they they get around it by saying that the supplements or, or the, the the hormones are you know food supplements, and that's why they're not regulated. Mm. And they're allowed to to sell, and and they they sell on fear. I think in in my mind because they often say, well, of course it's completely natural. So therefore it's safe. But natural doesn't always mean safe, does mm. it? And also you can get all of this, apart from the testosterone, and we're working on that, you can get the, the really good stuff on the NHS. And uh, you just need to be able to ask for it and know what to ask for. Absolutely. Knowledge is power like all of this. And as we say, it is the body identical. And I think that that's one of the issues, isn't it, that people are changing the words around body identical, bio-identical, it kind of means the same thing, but it, it could. The, the difference really is between regulated and unregulated, mm. isn't it? That's, yeah. you know, I, I think people should be asking for regulated body identical hormones rather than unregulated body identical, which mm. tends to be the, the expensive yeah. um, compounded kind. Kate, it's great to chat. I, I just feel that we've hopefully opened a few more eyes and ears and taken the conversation onto yet another level. I'm delighted to hear that you have a further book in the pipeline. It's, uh, is, is, is this going to be your life's work now, do you think? Are you going to be just totally embedded in your writings and your TV work with menopause? I don't know. It seems sort of unstoppable at the moment. And I've just got, I feel like I've got so much more to do. And, you know, I'll see you in a year or two's time, but I, I've got to do an American book. I've got to do a book on mental health. I've got to finish this documentary. 
uh, you know, and I've got to walk my dog, you know, it's just, how can we do it? <laughs> do it because we're full of amazing hormones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been great to chat. Your book is out now and we are thrilled to have you here talking about it. Very best of luck with it and look forward to connecting again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Liz. And thanks again to Kate, whose book, Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause, Subhead But We're Too Afraid to Ask, is out this week and it's published by Simon and Schuster. Well worth a read. But be warned, you might well need to sit something calming alongside, such as a nice chamomile tea or more likely a stiff gin. As some of her research into female healthcare, the sexism bias and appalling lack of evidence-based decision-making that has been just so damaging to women's healthcare is quite breathtaking. Well, on that note, I shall sign off, wishing you a happy and healthy weekend if you're listening to me in real time and a great week ahead. Don't forget to check out the Lizar Wellbeing YouTube channel because there's lots going live there at the moment, as well as online on our website, especially when it comes to keeping any healthful New Year resolutions that you may have made, which, well, maybe just might be slipping, and some really excellent motivational exercise updates too. And you'll find the links to these and much more of course as always over on lizellwellbeing.com so until the next time we speak go well bye bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you Cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain. I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.